0: Are we ready to record Oh <laughs> so anyway hold on for a second
1: he just keeps going in and out <laughs> what did he say did he keep... welcome to boathead <laughs> <laughs> so, Man, okay. and, by the way to our uh, podcast listeners that was a funny joke <laughs> If you're one of the five people who watches the video, that was
2: hilarious. Yeah.
0: If you're just listening, it made no sense whatsoever.
1: <laughs> Should we turn this off now?
2: Yeah. Well, probably. y'all, yeah, y'all keep fading in and out like it's really surreal. What?
1: We
0: thought.
2: And that was your first mistake.
0: Yeah, that was probably yeah. Oh my God, we're here, <laughs> we're back, and we have the combination to the air shield. Well, where about? does she, where get that off the screen? There we go. Uh, Our ours is framed. Why is why does chat? Yeah, James, James. James, you look like the end shot of Norman Bates, a psycho. <laughs> I wouldn't even hurt a fly.
1: Watermelon, James Never, You know, yeah.
0: about that's it. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, no. Oh my God! you're what, what kind of shirt do you have? Good Lord, Blink man,
2: the Blink. The shirt. It's just a button-up shirt it doesn't look like that it's it's what they have all the people in the penitentiary wear.
1: no well they're usually orange and he's obviously recording in a hallway somewhere (laughs) have i ever told you about the time i had to go to
0: the prison to pick up beds technically parts for beds
1: oh in moorhead yeah
0: Yeah, well no it was west liberty well uh, oh i did work for moorhead though what are you drinking it are looks you, like you, blood uh, juice.
1: Yeah, are you drinking tomato juice out of a spr? Uh, oh, to our podcast listeners, James is drinking sugar-free, sugar-free Hawaiian punch, punch.
2: shingles to go. It's, it's fruit juice. are those any good? It's they're pretty good. Yeah, it's it's the only punch my doctor recommends. I keep taking to the face.
1: <laughs> he didn't say anything about shots to the face. No. Yeah, no.
2: No, so, fifty cents um, says those are okay.
1: You got Manuel off camera. I see. Is he is he revving up? <laughs> Manuel man well
0: labor, oh, everything funny. That joke's old. <laughs> Weed
1: eater,
0: <laughs> we're all looking at you. I if know. you're once again, listening. James
1: probably isn't looking at me. It's kind of like he's looking in the upper left hand corner. Okay,
2: so we're no, right. no, you are right here. On the, right here, that's where you are. I don't know if you could. Right there, that's where you are. Yes, coming in. at my face. Dang.
1: It doesn't look like a finger to me.
0: Did. Oh, 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 he buffed, oh, Jesus! Did you buffer again?
2: You, you need to see a doctor. Why? Well, it doesn't look like a finger to him. There's something wrong with
0: this Are, Is he buffering again? He's you buffering. Buffered. All right. So, what should we, well, we talked about this the last time, but we'll talk uh, episode beforehand. Every th- time we think we're going to do an episode, we do a different topic. Yeah, so yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So At least one in three times, so that's a different topic than we thought we would. James, do. you didn't mix that drink very well. No, there's a bunch of shit in the bottom of it there. <laughs> You can see it's blood, isn't it? You're drinking blood. Is it virgin blood? Oh, yeah, like
2: I can afford that on my salary.
0: Faculty, I guess,
1: I don't know, but no, um,
0: fancy shindigs. Yeah, so
1: I'm assuming the topic that we said we were going to do, we're going to do next week, but but it could get kicked. Yeah, it could get kicked because this week there was a a lawsuit in Hollywood two weeks ago. Two weeks, oh, two weeks ago.
0: It would have been last, yeah, yeah. Who was it, Chad? Peter Fonda. That's
1: right. I
2: thought it was that Unwin guy. Huh? Wasn't it that Unwin guy? I did oh, nothing yeah. but research on that Unwin guy. Yeah. <laughs> Is he talking about the animated,
1: No, the guy who was like in a soap opera in Australia. Was that his name? Ben Unwin?
2: Yeah.
0: Ben Unwin. I have no idea who you're talking we about. We were
1: joking right? about this via text. You obviously don't remember. No, you no I don't read them. I yeah, probably but, just... Go- I almost said grazed. <laughs> the text. You replied and said, yeah, we can do him too.
0: I thought it was the animation guy you're talking about.
1: What animation guy?
0: The one that did Roger Rabbit. The, you know, that horrible movie you like. Oh, yeah. No,
1: Bob Hoskins.
0: Oh, I would like to do a Bob. Not Bob Hoskins. The guy that drew, Charles, oh, Charles. The guy that drew Roger Rabbit. Died
2: the artist. Right. 90. He died at 90-something, right? Well, or he 80. did
0: die. And Chad doesn't know.
1: That's who I thought I you were talking about. Sigh. No,
0: I'm Lace depressed. Up.
1: I don't. I don't want to do this episode no more. Well, Re- I'm sure. We can I, send some bullets. I, I have, a James
2: is trying to talk here somewhere. This is Kentucky. Uh, uh, hold, on, hold on, Real quick, say, uh, remind me after we're not filming anymore. I think I've got a, a third guest of, that we haven't recorded yet. Uh, I've got two other ones coming, but I've got a third one. I need talk. He keeps
0: to about. making promises.
2: Oh no, I've got somebody that literally has contacted me, going, "Whenever we going to do this? Whenever we're going to do this? He just can't do it tonight." Of course, so that's, that's a hint, by the way. It's a he, so that, you know, narrows it down. So people want to start guessing who I got.
0: Yeah, it's only about 49% of the population. Start guessing, folks. So Peter Fonda. Peter Fonda died. So the argument we had was, is I like Peter Fonda, and Peter Fonda's is important films to me. Chad says...
1: I like The Limey. James says...
2: I also like the limey, but I, I like a lot of the stuff that he did. I think you know we, we you have to acknowledge that he got typecast. A lot of it involved a motorcycle. Yeah, but he uh, he he did a lot of uh, a lot of decent films. My, were you,
0: my note beside the limey says James Thomas will talk about this
2: one. Yeah, I actually just. I, I, I treated this like we do a lot of episodes where we talk movies. I picked three that I really I wanted to talk about.
0: Too. I narrowed it down, too. And really quick, before we get started, um,
1: <laughs> do we want to talk about his earlier? Do we want to start? Do we want Let me know. No, hit. I
2: wanted to do a quote. I, and well, I, go ahead. Well, the, One of the movies I want to talk about is one of his earlier ones because I actually watched it this week. Uh before Somebody we, made me aware that it was on Amazon. So. Well,
1: well, before we get into the movies, let's talk about his early career. Well, what I wanted do to do a quote. Okay, you do a quote, and then I'll do the That's actually
0: how I was going to start the episode before you started all that, and you started that, and I started laughing, and I forgot that how I wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, do your quote. We want to be free. We want to be free to do what we want to do. We want to be free to ride. We want to be free to ride our machines without being hassled by the man, and we want to get loaded, and we want to have a good time, and that's what we're going to do and we're gonna have a good time and we're gonna have a party so i think it kind of sums up a lot of his movies yeah it's from do you know
1: no i don't know where it's from
0: it's not this one it's this one
1: the wild Angels. wild
0: angels first breakout role um yeah
1: Yeah. oh but well well, hold on let's
0: get he was in tv and things but
1: yeah and i'm going to talk about that briefly um I do want to, I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit hit up a quote before I go into his early stuff. Is before we get into his early years. And um, a lot of my information comes from a Vanity Fair article written by Donald Liebenson. I'd like to give the credit where the credit's due. Um, you never give me credit. But this is actually from uh, the. This is a quote he did in a 2008 interview with the, from the San Luis Obispo Tribune about his acting philosophy. You don't want to be an actor, he says. You want to act. I pointed this out to my daughter, Bridget Fonda, Chad Bites Knuckle. Uh, Yeah, I got to give you a – yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Married to also somebody talented Danny Elfman.
0: Who is not a good-looking man, so there's still hope for you (laughs) two.
2: And who who
1: did she date before Danny Elfman? Dwight Yoakam. I dated Dwight Yokum. You so did, did. Sharon I. Stone. I was in between her and Sharon.
0: Not but. that Sharon. <laughs> it's a joke with <laughs> the yep. Sorry.
1: No, not so. that Sharon. Hi, Thanks, Phil. Phil. <laughs> so, you want to act? I pointed this out to my daughter, Bridget Fonda, upon graduation when she said, Dad, I want to be an actor. I looked at her. I said, Don't you ever say that again. It's a verb, not a noun. So, Peter Fonda. Let's start with his early. career. Uh, he was born in February twenty third,
0: nineteen forty, to somebody named Hank Fonda. Yeah, he,
1: uh, he was Henry Fonda's only son. His mother was a socialite, Francis Ford Seymour, mm-hmm. who committed suicide when he was at the age of ten. Ten. I read um, his
0: autobiography,
1: and they actually never told. And they actually never told her, told him how she died. And I will get to that in a brief moment. Um, Still all my material. Sorry. All right. No, if you want to. No, no. Um, I'll he, chime in. And he did not have a great relationship with his father. No, it got
0: better as they got older. Him and Jane both, they got better as they got older.
2: And uh, that's the title of his autobiography is don't, don't Tell Dad. Don't Tell Dad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Don't Tell Dad. It's Don't Tell Dad. And this is probably one of the more more hard hardcore stories about how their relationship with the, uh, the, his father. It was actually during a driving lesson when uh, he c- confronted his father about why he never told the truth about his mother's um, mm-hmm. death. And you know what his father said to him? What? Keep your eyes on the road. And that's where the conversation ended. They both
0: talked about this and I watched a documentary with Jane Fonda. And I, and I think it had all kinds of comes apart. And also, I mean, I, we don't really, well, we do do a certain amount of gossip on the show. I do like asking people who they hated working yeah. with and who they love working <laughs> I do. It always leads to a good story. It either leads to a good story or a really funny, awkward silence. Yep. So he, he talked about it. And she said he was such an actor that life just wasn't scripted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That he needed a script.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he needed a script to live his life. Right. And real life was tough. Well, that's, that's not most actors that they lack empathy. I don't know that it's most actors, but I think it was true for him. He was also a fairly liberal guy. Yeah. Who raised two extremely liberal children? Yeah. Craig Dennis is still pissed off at Jane. Went for annoy <laughs> Jane. Annoy Jane. Anyway, uh, so just to give you a little backstory yeah. on that, I, I, go ahead. Yeah. He had a very privileged back lifestyle. Though. Yeah.
1: Did you know he was accidentally he accidentally shot himself in the stomach when he was a child and almost died three times on the operating table? I think
0: I remember it. It's been a long time, but yeah. Now, here's
1: a. Do you know that the connection to that that story and his connect uh, his history with the Beatles? No. Okay. So um, later in life, he he befriended the Beatles, in particular John Lennon. Uh, He told John about this story about him almost dying three times on the table. And he was quoted as saying, I know what it's like to be dead. Uh, this line ended up in the Beatles song, She Said, She Said, from the Revolver album. He, later, or She he, Said, She Said from Revolver. He uh, used the Beatles uh,
0: in Easy Rider. There's a scene, there's a whole line from, I can't remember which song. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. So um, he got his career. He started his acting career in a regional theater, where he won a New York Drama Critics Award for his debut on Broadway called Blood, Sweat, and Stanley Pool. Uh, he appeared in television series such as Naked City and Wagon Train. Mm-hmm. He made his film debut in a movie called. His first episode of television was Naked City. Oh, right? was it? that was his, that was yeah, his yeah.
0: first film thing. That was what I could find at IMDb.
1: Yeah, he made his film debut as a leading man in Tammy and the Doctor with Sandra D in 1963. <laughs> Here's a quote about uh, his feelings towards that movie. He absolutely hated that movie. This is from a Rolling Stone magazine. I won't renounce Tammy and the Doctor. I call it Tammy and Schmuck Face because it's a bullshit movie. But it plays on the tube. I don't try to buy the negative back and not, and not have anybody see it.
2: Yeah. So oh.
1: he absolutely hated Tammy
0: and the doctor. I've never seen it. <laughs> I know who Sandra D is, but I've never seen it.
1: Have you seen it? I've never seen it, but he, he is a, in that movie, he is very, um, he plays it very straight. He's, he's your, he's your basic leading man. Right. There's not, it's not Peter, the Peter Fonda that everybody, the, the liberal hippie biker, mm-hmm. That everybody knows it was Peter Fonda, you know, who was supposed to be the next Cary Grant type thing, type mm-hmm. movie. So I'm with
0: James and I kind of like to start out because there's, I was looking over his entire filmography and there's a few films that had a huge impression on me, specifically me at 16, between 16, 15 and 18 years old, because I had such an obsession at that time with with counterculture, specifically the late 60s counterculture. and
2: So are you going to start
0: with... I'd like to start with the Wild Angels, but if you want to start with it, go right ahead.
2: Well, I was going to start with 1964. When did Wild Angels come out?
0: Wild Angels came out in i actually didn't put that down so easy rider was 69 the trip was 67. i think it's i think it was
2: 65 66 would have been wild i want to start with 1964. okay um if you want me to start um i want to talk about a a film he did he's not the lead in it warren Beatty's the lead Mm -hmm. uh the cast of this film with warren Beatty, gene hackman peter fonda jessica walter kim hunter And I'm actually forgetting the lead actress who played the title role of Lilith. Okay. Uh, If if you've never seen Lilith, uh, a little bit about the film. Um, Robert Rawson, I believe I'm saying that correctly, directed it. Robert Rawson is known. uh, He won Oscars for All the King's Men. And he wrote The Hustler. Okay. And directed. Allman um, film with Jackie Gleason. Yeah, Lilith was his last film, and he said it completely dis- disillusioned him. If you know anything about Rawson, though, was he was legitimately a communist, uh-huh. um, and renounced the Communist Party. He he got called before HUAC, the House on American Activities Committee, yeah, once, and pleaded the fifth. And it pretty much looked like it was going to end his career. He was called a second time and turned over 50 names. A lot of people say that he pretty much betrayed a ton of people. Yeah. That being said. Which would have effectively ruined his career. Mm -hmm. But he, he bounced right back. He made more films after that. Matter of fact, The Hustler came after that. Mm -hmm. Um, But Lilith was his last film. And after surviving q after surviving, betraying all these people, um, What caused Lilith to be his last film? Um, The the actor Warren Beatty. Oh, really? He said Warren Warren Beatty made that movie so hard to make that he just didn't want to do it anymore. Matter of fact, here's his quote. It isn't worth that kind of grief. I won't take it anymore. I have nothing to say on the screen right now. Even if I never make another picture, I've got The Hustler on my record. I'm content to let that one just stand for me. Oddly enough... Despite the fact he said that, he was developing. I wanted to bring this up because personal connection to us. His final film, he died before he got it made, but in 1963, the year he died, he wrote a, a uh, film, had financing for it, and it was going to be called Cocoa Beach. Mm-hmm. And what he actually wanted to look at was the transient nature of the population of Cocoa Beach versus. Cape Canaveral. <laughs> and so it was going to follow these transient population, basically the people who follow the surf, that follow entertainment, follow stuff yeah, like that versus.
0: Thing, yeah. yeah. I want to see it.
2: I I, I, I wish I could find the script because it's, I mean, you're looking at counterculture that, you know, surfing right. was not motorcycle riding, but it was its own thing. Uh, that being said, uh, Lilith is, Warren Beatty plays a young, he's a veteran and he wants to open his own asylum. He goes to work at a for-profit private asylum. And you can got to remember, this is made in the 60s. So it's kind of a unique thing. Lilith is a patient there. She's pretty much comatose when he gets there. Peter Fonda plays another, um, I guess you could say inmate, another patient uh, that is there. And uh, if you've never seen the film, it's very, very atmospheric. It's not a great film, but it's very, very atmospheric. Uh, matter of fact, on Rotten Tomatoes, I believe it's got a hundred percent score. On IMDb, it's got six point nine. But um, basically, it's it's not quite psycho. Obviously, it's not quite. But it's a very very surreal, odd film where basically Warren Beatty as this person who is uh, he wants to, he, he actually uses the term occupational therapist. He wants to help people get better. Um, but throughout the film you very slowly you start to realize there is something inherently wrong with him it's never blatantly obvious um, but he basically starts to fall in love with Lilith you find out as the film slowly goes on that Lilith is also a master manipulator and she was comatose but you find out that her brother died by suicide and you start to unravel all these different things uh, and it's less about start, Peter
0: Fonda than it is about Lilith and Warren Beatty.
2: No, she starts to manipulate the other inmates. She makes actually an elder or an older woman fall in love with her, and she makes Peter Fonda's character fall in love with her. And this leads to actually um, Peter Fonda me fall in love with you, sir. Really? Uh, Peter Fonda has some great scenes. He's an artist, and uh, she grabs something out of his hand, and he said, if "You hurt my hand." And there's an entire scene that's oddly haunting that follows that, where she grabs his hand, and he has some dialogue, and it's really engaging dialogue. I was watching it and I was like, I could care less about the rest of the movie. He's a fascinating character, and Peter Fonda, again during this timeline, was not doing the rebel, uber liberal, whatever. He was just this inmate patient, he plays it really, really well. Uh, by the end of the film, uh, spoiler, turn it off now. It's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it for it, um, but. He commits suicide, and that causes Warren Beatty, uh, Warren Beatty's character, to spiral out. Lilith becomes comatose again, and kind of the big reveal. I feel like you could have made this shorter. You want me to get? You want me not to give you the reveal?
0: I think I wanted you to give it to me five minutes ago, and then he could have given you the reveal.
2: (laughs) The reveal is that Lilith, uh, Lilith also drove her brother to suicide because. she wanted to have an incestuous relationship with him, and he refused. And so he committed suicide to avoid it. And she goes back into a comatose state. The last line in the film, Warren Beatty walks up realizing that he indirectly calls Peter Fronda's character suicide. Lilith to become comatose again, he actually turns himself in. And it's just a shot of the doctors that work there, and he just walks up and he goes, help me, and the movie ends.
1: So this is not related. Uh,
2: So it's it's weird. It's... What now?
1: Oh, nothing, you were saying.
2: We wouldn't want <laughs> to break up. off. There. You broke up there, which is... Bro- no, the reason I wanted to bring this movie up, though, is um, it has gained a second life uh, for most people, even that people like The Hustler and All the King's Men and other films that Robert Rawson is more known for. Most people say those movies now are dated. They look dated. They function dated. They're still entertaining. But... It, uh, David Thompson, writing in the new biographical dictionary of films, citing my sources, uh, said this film is an oddity. The only one of Rawson's films that is passionate, mysterious, and truly personal. The other films will look increasingly dated and self-contained, but Lilith is his only film that may grow. And I watched it and I said it's a it's an interesting, odd little film. But Peter Fonda is in it for an, uh, only for probably 15 minutes of the entire film that's over two hours long. And anytime he's on screen, it's cool. So So check it out.
1: This is just, this has, I'm going to do this little quick blur because it has nothing to do with Peter Fonda. Well, neither did the last thing. I know, but um, the Lilith was played by Gene Seberg. Seberg. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a great podcast called, You Must Remember This, I've mentioned it before, Uh where they talk about Hollywood history. And the the creator of that show did a seven-parter uh, that compared the the career of Gene Seaberg to that of Jane Fonda, uh-huh. which is Peter Fonda's sister. Just little little weird connection. Seven there. parts. Yeah. Damn. It's really bad. Both 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 are really fascinating. So let's talk about Peter Fonda in a movie where he actually
0: had some cultural impact. <laughs>
2: that would be. You should probably watch Level Up.
0: I may eventually get to it. We're going to talk about Wild Angels. By the way, Wild Angels does not hold up. I own it. It's right over there on the shelf. It was directed by this has-been called Roger Corman, who would go on to do nothing, nothing for a little company called American International Pictures. But didn't Peter
1: Fonda hook up with him mainly because he he could do movies that he normally couldn't? (laughs) That's exactly the only reason anybody hooked up with Roger Corman. Because he, I think he was tired. I think Peter Fonda was tired of playing the. <laughs> Excuse me. You know the straight, the the straight, like. Absolutely. Typical Hollywood actor. And what?
0: And it is actually his breakout role as a Wild Angels. It was a big success. What they were basically aping on was not only counterculture, but the Hell's Angels. The Hell's Angels actually brought suit against them for four to five million dollars. They ended up losing. Really? Yes. I think that's hilarious that the Hells Angels brought a $5 million defamation suit. The Hells Angels. Why were they upset? Because <laughs> of the they're portrayed in the movie. Have you ever seen it? No, explain. That's all they do. So it's a movie. This is literally, well, I shouldn't say literally. We say that way too much. The Angels, a San Pedro motorcycle gang, parties in the Coachella Valley's Palm Springs Indian Canyon, California, and wreaks havoc with the local police. That's the damn plot. Basically, it has Diane Ladd. It has Nancy Sinatra, also Peter Fonda. These people were not cast by accident. Mm-hmm. Who are they the children of? Oh. Fam- other famous people, right? Bruce Dern's in it. So is Diane Ladd. Uh, and that's actually... that's. I think r- you said
1: Diane Ladd twice. Well, right?
0: that's where Laura Dern was conceived.
1: Oh! <laughs> but so Anyway, I so Bruce
0: Dern plays... I think his name is Loser. Okay. And he ends up getting killed, and they have to break him. Or he ends up getting into jail, and they try to break him out, and he gets killed, and they have to bury him. And it's really just the last third is a big party. Huh. It is not a good movie. I mean, a lot of people love it. It holds a lot of cultural impact, especially at the time. Nobody really saw that. I mean, there wasn't a ton of Hells Angels movies going on. And Peter
1: Fonda's character was named Heavenly Blues.
0: Heavenly Blues, that's right. He was not the first choice for that. Uh, either. Who was the first choice? I think the first choice was uh, shit, I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, because I didn't spend a ton of time. I, I By the way, this little bit is, if you could look at my notes right now, it's like two paragraphs on the Wild Angels. Once you get past the trip, the rest of these three pages are on another little movie he did with Dennis Hopper. I was
1: going to say, uh, by the way... Uh, Have Wild, you guys ever seen it? No, I've never seen it, but I just looked, you know, who else is in Wild Angels that you didn't mention? Yeah. Take your hat off and put it on next to your heart, Dick Miller.
0: Yeah, Dick Miller's. Well, imagine he plays it. Digger. Huh. Yeah, Dick Miller. So, have you have you seen it, James?
2: I have. Now it's been a long time ago because I saw that. I, if I remember correctly, I saw it, and at the time, somebody can fact check me on this. But Corman movies, Vincent, Price, a lot of Corman and Vincent Price movies did this too. But you used to be able to get them in like the Midnight movie collection, and there'd be two of them. And if I remember correctly, Wild Angels was in a two-pack with The Trip
0: yeah it would make sense. So the trip is the next movie I want to talk about because i I saw both of them I st- but real quick Brianna,
1: I still them. find it funny that there was a defamation lawsuit from The Hell's Angels when basically isn't that what the Hell's Angels did anyway? No
0: well, to end this story well, to end this because I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it. I had to talk about it simply because of the impact it was a huge success. yeah, what you got to remember is we go through these movies and it, and the penultimate one of these that basically crashed the studio system in the sense of the studios had no longer had control of anything that was going on right. out there. It, it is, is, is a uh, uh, easy rider. But before that, these movies were being made and making a lot of money, right? The counterculture is going on. Even if you didn't like them, it was cool to get high and go watch a motorcycle movie. Paramount, MGM were not making those pictures. They weren't making these pictures for kids, right? Dr. Doolittle would have came out around this time. People had this fond memory, but I think they just have a fond memory of the fact that it was remade with Eddie Murphy, and that was it. The original one was not a hit. These movies failed, and the studio systems were crumbling. The old studio guard was going away, and nobody had any idea. And I find it fascinating. And by the way, the cool story about this is Bruce Dern...
1: And who played Dr. Doolittle? Uh, Rex. Somebody? Rex Harrison. Okay, hold on. Rex
2: Harrison. Huh? <laughs> don't you be smart, Rex Harrison.
1: Hey, all I can say is look up an actress named Cheryl Landis and see what that band did to her, and you will lose all respect for that man. Continue he's, on with Peter Fonda. He still saying that. that. I, you don't know that. I don't have. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so,
0: you
2: don't fair? know
0: that. I still hang out with you. This is um, Bruce Dern was going guy should got the shit kicked out of him by the hell's angels on the street because he had this had the biker stuff on he's like i'm only in the movie man he didn't even ride motorcycles he didn't know anything about motorcycles wow this is which is funny when we start talking about the trip another story about bruce dirk but he ended <laughs> up getting the shit kicked out of him and knocked out by the hell's angels they hated this movie. It gave them a bad image. I agree with you, Chad. Yeah, we're talking about the same people who, at Altamont, with yeah. the Rolling Stones, killed somebody. Yeah, who were known. Of course, they also beat the shit out of Hunter S. Thompson too.
1: Yeah, well, that's Did true. Did you ever read the book? No, I never. Oh, I know the story. Because he
0: spent a year, two years with him, and he ended up beating the shit out of him as well. James, do you have another movie you'd like to talk about? I really didn't want to spend too Sorry, much. Sorry, it was the Carol trip.
1: Landis that Rex Harris completely obliterated and left inside. <laughs> Happy, happy, joy, joy. Do no, no, you think I, you to speak? I, I uh, Too soon? Rex Harris is a scumbag. Too
2: soon. <laughs> I, have you ever heard of an actor called Errol Flynn? Read, read his autobiography. Then talk to me about Rex Harris. Um, no, Lilith. Uh, I, I want to get back to We
1: went away from Lilith.
2: We, we're moved on. No, no. The reason, the reason I want to bring that one back up, and it's yeah. the same reason is, Peter Fonda is not, was not always reviewed as a great actor. Matter of fact, I actually, he's a great it,
1: actor. Yeah, he basically Uly had was, one thing. He's like Brian Dole
0: Murray. I disagree with Chad. Chad's wrong. There's a few good roles. And I'm okay. going to bring one, one later.
1: Goal, huh? goal, it, it bring up later. Yuli's goal. David, I was going to it And that was going to be
2: my one exception. No, no. Well,
1: well, that, <laughs> that's a
2: good movie. that was a film that actually got him, uh, got him, as far as critics were concerned, he was redeemed by that. But I wanted to bring that up because as much as he, uh, as much as he is now applauded in some ways or, or was never recognized in some ways, the other part that I wanted to bring up was, starting with Lilith, the Academy preserved Lilith, not Congress, but the Academy actually did it in 2000. So he is in a bunch of movies that have been deemed historically or socially significant for somebody that was not at the time, that was not at the time praised as a good actor.
0: Now, did did either one of you have a next movie before the trip? Nope. Nope. Do you have any notes about the trip? Because I can lead into it if you want to jump in. I know who wrote it. (laughs) I do too. So, (laughs) The Trip was made in 1967. It was one of the follow-ups to The Wild Angels. It was also made by Corman. It was directed by Corman. It was written by a guy that would go on to be a bit actor. His name was Nicholson something Jack. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) The Trip is about a TV director whose wife leaves him. He's going through all these things in his life, and he wants to take an acid. His buddy, who's played by Bruce Dern, convinces him to take an acid trip, and explore his mind and consciousness and all all that. I've never done acid. We won't talk about which one of the boneheads has done acid. It's James. totally James. totally James. However.
1: It's <laughs> funny. That isn't how you do acid. There's a few. <laughs> how would you know?
2: You I'll do acid music. your way. I said, you do acid your way. I'll do it my way. <laughs> I like to get up my nose.
0: <laughs> Out of an actual fucking car battery. <laughs>
1: You know that's not true. He he sinuses. No, no. He's macking me I, the back. <laughs> you know, what he does is he cuts a hole in an orange <laughs> it orange. right up. <laughs> Get my vitamin D, bitches. My sinuses. My sinuses have
2: never been clearer. What? My what? sinuses have never been clearer. Don't you ever doubt it. It's because you don't have any
0: sinuses. Anyway, I had Bruce Dern
2: in it and what's there's several
0: things about it. One of those uh, told stories is that Roger, Roger Corman, they convinced Roger Corman, how are you going to direct this movie if you've never done acid? By the way, Bruce Dern didn't know what acid was he had to be told. Yeah. And explained to him.
1: Did that not lose a little bit on your mind of what you thought Bruce Dern was? Yeah. No, I mean, I kind of just thought Bruce Dern was your typical country guy, but I don't, is he even from the country? I don't think so. I'm, it's like Jeff Bridges is not. You think
0: Jeff Bridges is country, and he's so not country. Oh, He's, I know he's yeah. in Hollywood I would, yeah. by a famous character actor. Um, so Roger Corman did ask yeah, Lloyd to prepare for the movie and had a good trip, by the way. He didn't have a bad trip. huh? He had to ask other people what it was like to have a bad trip. Yeah, no. Bruce Durr was born in Chicago. <laughs> He's not a country actor. What are you going to say, James? James?
2: I, no. I, I, but. But bear. Uh, no, you know what? What's funny about that is though, it, it's amazing the amount, and I, I, I have never done acid other than car payers. Um, But you know, I, the amount of people that talk about bad trips and things like that, and how it's always. There's no middle ground, evidently.
0: No, uh, and one of the great lines is it from is you got to turn off your mind and relax and just float down the stream. Okay, I think I want to have that put on my grave. So <laughs> what do you think? You <laughs> yeah. turn off your mind, relax, and just float down the stream. The the trip. So I don't own it, but and I actually didn't see it probably about three years ago. Is a far superior film to me than Wild Angels now. It is not necessarily a completely linear plot. I don't know why James got smaller. Yeah,
1: James went shrinky.
0: Oh, James's network bandwidth is low. So
2: it isn't the best linear oh, well, plot. It says I'm fine here.
0: Yeah, well, there you're back. But you've got to watch it. Have you ever seen it, James? I'm assuming Chad hasn't. Mm-hmm. James? Have you yeah, seen it?
2: Chad? I have. I have. It's been a. I I had a good
0: time with it. I had a good time with it. I enjoy it. It was. Whereas it took me three days to get through the Wild Angels because I felt it was boring and couldn't have cared less. The trip, hasn't it? It doesn't have a ton of plot, but it's such an interesting film. Not only through the characters and what's going on, but visually, I think it's one of Corman's better films. Now you may hate it, and it's a. It is definitely a movie that was made in 67 right but that's actually another part of what makes it so interesting is it is such a time capsule you're getting
1: a time capsule of that culture you're
0: getting a time capsule it's right there Mm -hmm. and it's frozen in time of 67 and what it was like and it was written by jack nicholson i think that's interesting that people don't remember that he didn't necessarily start out always acting he was producing and and and, his
1: acting career got got catapulted because of the one that the next,
0: movie the next one. the next one yeah that's the next one i want to talk about james
1: is there anything you want to talk about before we get into the big one yeah nope let's do it all right easy
0: rider now you bastard written by dennis hopper peter fonda and terry southern direct-
1: they were nominated for an oscar were they really they were nominated for an oscar for best screenplay yeah. and it was the it was it was 30 years it was it took 30 years for peter fonda to get invited back for yuli's gold which he lost to. I don't remember. Jack Nicholson, as good as good as it gets. Oh, that's funny. And Jack Nicholson actually uh, uh, mentioned him in his uh, acceptance speech. it. I don't remember that. Well, let me tell you why
0: them getting nominated for best screenplay is hilarious. It is heavily noted that they didn't have a screenplay yeah. before they started. There's
1: hardly any dialogue in most of the
0: movie. It was Peter Fonda's idea. Dennis, I finally convinced Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper was actually thinking about quitting and becoming a teacher. Dennis Hopper was disillusioned. Dennis Hopper was also fucking insane and oh, on yeah. drugs. Yeah, They were all on drugs. But Dennis Hopper was, was on really another level. He was on another plane. And he's a very talented guy, but he was, he was on drugs. They convinced him. They got the money from Bob Raffleson. Go ahead, James.
2: I was going to say, so I want to talk about, do you have the quote about, uh, and it's from his autobiography, once again, Don't Tell Dad a Memoir. Do you have the quote, uh, Peter Fonda says, how he came, what, where he got the idea?
0: No, go ahead. I don't I have, have
2: that quote. Okay. So Peter Fonda literally said he came up with the idea for Easy Rider while he was staring at a poster for The sure. Wild Angel. Uh, and here's his quote. Uh, He was staring at a picture of the Wild Angels, and he said, I understood immediately just what kind of motorcycle, sex, and drug movie I should make next. It would not be about 100 Hells Angels on their way to a funeral. It would be about the Duke and Jeffrey Hunter looking for Natalie Wood. I would be the Duke, and Dennis Hopper would be my Ward Bond. America would be our Natalie Wood. And after a long journey to the east across John Ford's America, what would become of us? We would be blasted to bits by narrow-minded redneck poachers at dawn just outside of heaven, Florida. And the bed of their pickup would be full of ducks. I mean really full of ducks. Yeah,
0: and it's pretty close. I don't <laughs> know that I think Natalie Wood is America, but that's a pretty good –
2: it's pretty good – But that's his quote about it. I was sitting there reading that going, yeah, that's okay. Good for you, bud. <laughs> Rock
1: off. You know about the motorcycles?
0: Yeah, they were old police motorcycles.
1: Yeah, they were old police motorcycles that he got at an auction. auction. Mm-hmm. And then he got five guys from Watts to help build them, and he thought that was, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. The fact that not only is he using cop car, cop motorcycles, but he got five African-American men to build the motorcycles, basically giving a big fu to society at that time.
0: One other thing about those motorcycles, or there's two other things. One, Harley-Davidson refused to sponsor them, wouldn't have anything to do with it because they didn't want anybody with the bad boy association with the brand to (laughs) find this hilarious. Two, Dennis Hopper, and Peter Fonda talks about this in his book, more than once signed off on some papers and showed up for an auction for those bikes Mm -hmm. that don't exist. (laughs) <laughs> one of them was blown up now it said that that was actually recovered and redone by somebody and Peter Fonda finally signed off and said that was the original Captain America bike because it was redone but four of them were stolen that's because there's one shot in the movie towards the end where they're around the campfire before the end no no, it's later and you don't see the bikes the reason being is because they sh- never got to shoot it when they finally did to shoot it by that time the bikes had been stolen huh. the ones that were left That's the reason why you don't see the bikes So more than once, Dennis Hopper said, no, that's the bike to get paid by somebody so they could auction off that bike (laughs) for drugs, by the way, just letting you know. He did clean up in the 80s. Well, yeah. Just letting everybody. We're big Dennis Hopper fans out here. He cleaned up and became a Republican in the 2000s. Yeah. He said he was a George Jr
1: supporter oh i know don't you find that hilarious i find it absolutely hilarious. i think it's it's america and peter fonda was always peter fonda peter fonda was always peter fonda now, um the one th- the other thing too about <coughs> peter fonda and jack nicholson did you know and I, I i wish i had more examples of this but i don't um in fact they're really they're, the only example he gave was from the limey and i don't have that written down i forgot to write it down that um, he was such a good friend with Jack Nicholson that in every movie that Peter Fonda did, he made a tribute. He did some kind of tribute to Jack Nicholson in those movies. Yeah, every I single did, movie. I didn't made. know they were that close. Yeah, he did. He in every in every role he ever did, he had in some way a nod to Jack Nicholson. Yeah, in his
0: acting. So here's one other interesting thing about Easy Rider. I talked about the writing. They all took credit, and all at times. Uh, It got mad. I think even, uh, I think Dennis Hopper tried to sue Peter Fonda at one time trying to get his name removed about writing the movie. Yeah. But most people agree that it was different points. There was never a script. Uh, Terry Southern, who was a famous writer, there was one where we can't afford you. He's like, no, dude, I'm the guy to write this movie. And if you watch some of the documentaries, Karen Black has some stories about Terry Southern, who was supposed to be insane. Mm -hmm. He also wrote Dr. Strange Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh some guy named kubrick
1: just look that up
0: i can't tell the karen black stories because we usually don't go that hard r on
2: here you've already
1: told that karen black story about the bush yes oh shit you've told it in a previous episode why don't you remind me (laughs) i just did why don't you shut up (laughs) Uh, american
0: international pictures so was gonna produce it and american international wouldn't do it wow why is there a reason i think it was dennis hopper but keep going james
2: Well, what I was going to say is that the other thing about this, and you alluded to this earlier, was that all these other counterculture films that we talked about, the reason we don't talk about the trip today, unless you're a movie geek, is because they were ignored. I mean, they made money, but the, the critics didn't pay attention. They didn't care. And Easy Rider did change that. It was the third best performing movie of that year. He's got weird. a lot of attention. Yeah,
1: those movies were ignored because Easy Rider kind of was the. It's noted as the kind of like the point in time where the ho- old Hollywood system crumbled. Easy Rider's that's often
2: the, the quote it. about.
1: Yeah, so back when the trip was on, was there the the studio system was still there. It was it was faltering. It was on its way down. But a lot of those movies, they didn't really get the recognition because the studio system was still hanging on for life. It was still. It was in it was in it was in its last breath. And
0: for our viewers and listeners, we could go really in detail for this about you all, but I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. It wasn't necessarily. We're not saying Easy Rider killed it. It's just the movie that when people talk about oh. that time, it that's the one that was pinpointed. So what happened was is that the studios were crumbling. They're sitting on vast acreage that's valuable now that right. it used to be. Like MGM was sold off acre by acre the development we can talk about other parts of universal stuff like that and we could go do and there's plenty of podcasts out there that have spent plenty of time doing this but easy rider is often the one who's like oh right there's the time and then which leads us into the 70s where no one knows what they're doing and that's the reason why there's so many interesting movies from the early 70s because a lot of filmmakers at that time were coming over the age and they were able to get access and make their own movies without a lot of interference because they often say this the inmates were running the asylum you hear it all the time when it
2: comes about seven i was saying
0: and then star wars and jaws killed all that that incorporation i'm
2: saying that's what yeah that's what variety says that that easy rider started and then jaws ended this kind of frame but yes the movie was a big hit and obviously got a lot of attention for peter peter Fonda. matter of fact. Um, Howard Smith and the Village Voice at the time, Village Voice being a publication that was pretty well known, um, famously wrote that Terry Southern wrote the script, uh, which will do for Fonda what none of his other roles did. That is, make him an enormous enormous hero star. He comes off like a combination of Clint Eastwood and James Dean. Obviously, that didn't come to pass. But, that's what the thinking was at the time was that Peter Fonda would be the next Clint Eastwood would be James Dean would be burned into that hero star mentality. And that did happen, but they thought it would based on easy rider and the way he played it there.
0: Do you all want to talk yeah. to anybody about the now rip? um George Hanson was played by Jack Nicholson, and this is also the movie that made Jack Nicholson a star. Star, yeah. Jack Nicholson talks about walking into the theater, watching it, and walking out going, no, now I'm a star.
1: Yeah, because before that And movie, it was just,
0: it was overnight.
1: And then boring. he did Going South. <laughs> I think he did that later. I know, <laughs> I know. Just, I just, <laughs> this is actually a movie I like. He directed I know. It's on Amazon Prime. It's the movie that uh, we're getting off topic, but Jack Nicholson is a favorite actor of mine, uh, many others. uh, I own the
0: one sheet for it.
1: Going South is the Jack Nicholson movie that I've always wanted to see, but I couldn't quite get to seeing it. And now it's on Amazon Prime, and I am watching it this weekend. (laughs)
0: You've never seen. Going I have South. never seen. It's Going got South. Danny DeVito, Christopher Lloyd. It's hilarious. I know. I've
1: never seen it. I'm dying to watch. I've always wanted to watch Going South. And I can't believe you're my friend and you've never seen it. I, I know. The freaking one. It's like I said. Ever since I was a teenager, I've always wanted to see this Jack Nicholson <laughs> movie, Going South, and I've never had the opportunity and now it's mine
0: oddly enough columbia was going to distribute it it's funny because we're talking about the studio system columbia actually distributed this film bob Raffleson put up most of the money wow so aip could have made an absolute freaking fortune with this and missed out on it they uh are
1: we same, talking about going south or are we talking easy riders? easy riders. okay we gonna make sure we yeah, yeah easy got rider. The sam
0: Arkoff owned aip said it was his biggest regret roger corman talked about being his biggest regret although roger corman wanted to produce it yeah it was aip Rip Torn was originally going to be
1: that character and didn't do it. Oh my lord, that would not have worked. And
0: according to Torn, Dennis Hopper. Pulled you think a- he was
1: still a drunken, grumpy ass? Yes, have- even
0: to with day he died. Yeah.
1: You should add, listen to some Gary Shandling stories about oh, him. Yeah, I just wonder if back then in nineteen 19- yeah. seventy sixty nine yeah, was he worse?
0: Worse. Uh, according to Torn, Dennis Hopper pulled a knife on him during a pre-production meeting. <laughs> On the Tonight mind, Show that with Jay Leno, Hopper claimed it was Torn who pulled the knife. No shit. Rip Torn sued Hopper over defamation
1: and won. Wow. So Dennis did pull the knife out on him. During In all crazy. fairness, out of the two, I would understand Dennis They're Hopper. They're both crazy. They're both batshit crazy. But, but, but Dennis Hopper is the... I've got a weapon and I will use it crazy. Another good thing about, and
0: I know this is about Peter Fonda, but there's so many good stories about the making of Easy Rider. And Easy Rider is one of my favorite movies. I do think it's one of the, if I were ever to put together a list of films I think you should see Before You Die, whether you like it or not, it would be on my list probably because mm-hmm.
1: it's such a significant and film. And I saw it. I
0: tried showing it to my significant other who fell
1: asleep once. Did you fall asleep during it? I've never fallen asleep. No, I was, I, no, okay. So this is, out of the three of us, I am not a big fan of Easy Rider. There there are scenes in it that I absolutely love, particularly with Jack Nicholson.
0: When because he, he became a star. Because it, he it, owned
1: it. He owned that role. Now, that being said, I wasn't a big fan of Easy Rider because there are parts where I'm just like – I feel like they don't need – like, for example, the graveyard scene. I feel like it's superfluous. It doesn't need to be there. So, but – at the same time, I understand and appreciate the cultural significance of and the historical uh, significance of, of filmmaking in general that Easy Writer brought. And I appreciate it for that. And I know I did not fall asleep. I've actually seen it twice because I watched it the first time and go, I didn't really care for that. Maybe I'm insane. And I watched it again. I'm like, I'm insane, but I still didn't like it. Here's
0: why I argue why the cemetery scene is so important. For, so first of all, that's actually shot in St. Louis. They couldn't get into a cemetery. Nice. And that cemetery has never been let anyone film in it since then. Yeah. And they shot in 16 millimeters. That's part of the film. Some of it's in 35, some 16. That's shot in 16 millimeter.
1: Just so you know, if, if you haven't seen the movie. You should go out and see it. You should it. go out and see it. But in the cemetery scene, they're tripping on LSD with two female companions. And One's
0: Karen Black, yeah. and I don't remember the other yeah. actress's name. And
1: they're they're basically just, it's, it's a big trip scene of them just freaking out, of having, a, right. having an LSD trip in the middle of a graveyard. And so, with, with with the psychedelic music playing.
0: So if you watch it, there's Peter, no dialogue. Peter Fonda melts down during it and is crying. What you don't know is Dennis Hopper told him to talk to the statue like the statue was his mother. Now Chad, what happened
1: to his mother? As we mentioned earlier, she committed suicide at the I Asked of Peter 10.
0: to talk to the statue as if he were talking to his mother who committed suicide when he was ten. Peter didn't want to do it as he'd never confronted his feelings about his mother, but Hopper insisted which is why you need to hear Peter call the statue mother. And he states that he both loves her and hates her, which expresses his conflicting emotions. This scene persuaded Bob Dylan to allow the use of his song, It's All Right, Ma, in one of the final scenes, which contains lyrics referencing suicide. Peter told Dylan, I need to hear those words, and he agreed to it. Hmm. But if you watch, it's very powerful. It's, it's, it's trippy. It's different. It's probably not something you're accustomed to, and I can't imagine watching a shit nuts in 1969. Yeah. You've never seen anything like it, right? Nothing like Mm-mm. it. And he is crying, and it's it's real.
1: Yeah. Which I didn't know anything about that part of it. I just, I, I mean, I just. The, the movie I the movie didn't have that appeal to me that most that other movie I did.
0: have an attachment to it and I, I and for some odd reason of course it ends like all those movies and we'll get to Dirty Mary Crazy Larry and we can talk about a bunch of how does it how do those movies always end James?
2: Monster has to die and it's always the kids that are the, monster. and the, kids are the monsters and they always get killed at the end and it's like woohoo, we made it. Boom. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> at least yes. in this one, at least in this one, the final line spoke about Peter Fond as we blew it. Now there was supposed to be a long soliloquy there, and he refused to do it. He said, and according once again back to his autobiography, Dennis wanted all this of like this is a reason, this is a reason, this is the reason, and he refused, and he would just only say he blew it. If that's true, he was right. It sums everything up, it sums the whole movie up. They went cross country to be free. They've made the perfect score. They've sold. uh, And by the way, that's the story of the movie is that the first of it, they're selling to some sort of record producer play by Phil Spector. He went on to do nothing.
1: That was Phil Spector. Yeah. Phil Spector. Well, I didn't want to get sued. Yeah. Is he dead yet? No, not dead yet.
0: Okay. He he doesn't have the hair anymore. Yeah. So, Phil, that's actually Phil Spector the selling them cocaine. They originally were going to do marijuana, and they all realized there was never not to get that big score. There's no way those two bikes could have all that much marijuana. It was going to be <laughs> heroin. And the only reason why that cocaine's not real is they couldn't afford that much cocaine. All the rest of that pot in the movie is all real. Huh? The LSD in the pot's real. If you see cocaine, that's supposedly not real because they couldn't afford that much coke
1: wonder what it was i know it's in most movies it's vitamin d
0: so they run across this hippie commune they 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 go to the country and hang out with these farm with this farm family they meet all these people as they go and it's all about we're going to get the big score and then we're going to go down to mardi gras and have a party and then live their lives the rest of their life and it's all about we're going to be anti but they're basically bullshit because they're selling they're living the american dream of i want to get a bunch of money and go retire exactly So that's what I love about it Mm -hmm. is that they are the exact thing that they're bitching about through the whole movie. (laughs) You see what I mean? I see what you mean. It just, it's so, I know it's so simple and James, you probably want to talk or maybe James doesn't want to talk. And we blew it. And at the end of it, we blew it.
2: Well, uh... I mean, I don't have it, it, too much to add about Easy Rider. I wanted to mention, you know, and I think you all have touched on it, Dennis Hopper directed Easy Rider. Yeah. Uh, Peter Fonda actually allegedly could have directed it. He seated the director's chair to Hopper, according to uh, his obituary in Variety magazine, yeah. their variety. Um, but I, I wanted to bring up, he did go on to direct. Uh, yeah. Stuff that most people don't know. Uh, You want to finish off
0: Easy Rider before we go? Oh, yeah,
2: go ahead. Uh one last
0: thing. The campfire scene where he's talking about aliens, Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. 155 joints. Nice. According to legend, it was 155 joints. And one other thing. And Chad, do you want to talk about the little thing he does when he drinks? Where did he get that?
1: Uh, no, you tell me because I don't know. G-g-g-g-g-g- yeah, Indians. George Nick, Nick,
0: Nick, Nick, Jester after or taking a swig of booze was ad lib by Jack Nicholson. It was stolen from a friend of his who was nicknamed Red Dog. It was supposedly a guy that was on set who was one of the production folks. Huh. Yeah, he stole it from them. He would do that. Wow. It's great. Now, go ahead. We've probably talked about Easy Rider enough. I could keep on going, <clears throat> but I... let's move on because I only have about three other films I want to talk about.
2: With him, well, I wanted—I I, did want to bring up the movies that he directed <coughs> because there was three. Um, he directed two years after um, uh, *Easy Rider*. He directed a movie called *The Hired Hand*. When it came out, Roger Ebert described it as, "Let me quote this: a languorously spiritual western about a young man who grows up into responsibility." In 2003, again. Of the Village Voice, in re- uh, retrospect about the film, said that it was largely misappreciated when it was released two years after *Some uh, Easy Rider*, but it's a touching and absurd example of a "quote unquote" hippie western. Yeah, if you've never seen it, probably I've should never check it, seen out. it. Um,
0: When we were doing research, I realized I've got to find it now because it's actually on some people's best movie list, and it's on a couple of the hundred uh, or the thousand and one movies you should see. Now his other two director uh, directorial not so much. Oh, yeah.
2: Accurate. I was gonna say the the, the they I mean, went on to say about it though that it's not it it's not as quote unquote radical as Dennis Hopper's the last movie. Right. Uh nor as cool as Monty Hellman's Two Lane Black Right. But it's still a film with a lot of ambition. Uh the other two movies he directed, which you mentioned, nineteen seventy three, he actually made a science fiction film uh-huh. called The Idaho Transfer. Uh, And then the other one I want to bring up just because it's significant Wanda Nevada, which was a quote, unquote, quoting his obituary here, mediocre road
1: movie.
2: That being said, it's significant because it starred a young Brooke Shields and it also starred Henry Fonda. And it's the only film that they appeared together in. Mm -hmm. So a little significance there. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. The um, next movie I want to talk about There's two, and they're back-to-back, is Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. So a few years ago, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez made Grindhouse. And Tarantino's part of Grindhouse is Death Proof. And they talk about a lot of road movies that I actually hadn't seen from the late 70s and the 60s. Some of them I had seen, some of them haven't. I got on a kick, and if I couldn't find them, I bought them. So I bought uh, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, and Vanishing Point. And I enjoyed the hell. I didn't realize what a hit it was when it came out. Did Dirty Mary, it?
1: Crazy Larry. Dirty
0: Mary, Crazy Larry was a hit. It was directed by John Half. I can't, he's a British guy. The year before, he made a little movie that was also a success. It's it's over there on my wall. It's called The uh, how, uh, uh, <laughs> hell, the Legend of Hell House. House uh- That's the reason why in Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, uh, Roddy McDowell has a cameo in it, and he's not even given screen credit for it. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's about these two guys who want to build a NASCAR car and they rob a supermarket <clears throat> to get the money. Mm-hmm. And then hijinks ensue with Mary, who is played by what's her name? I almost forgot, Susan George. And they go on the lamb, and Vic Morrow is the cop who tracks them down in a helicopter. Now, do you guys want to hear a funny story about this? Did you see it, James? Did you read? Did you find out about the Vic Morrow part of this? No. So Vic Morrow, for some odd reason, has been said was terrified of helicopters, and had said he'd had visions that that would be the way he would die. So the only way he would do the movie is that they took out a huge insurance policy on him for (laughs) helicopters. Now, why would that be interesting for Vic Morrow fans? Because of the Twilight Zone. Zone. He died in a helicopter on Twilight Zone the movie directed by John Landis. He same. didn't actually die he
1: was in the helicopter he was decapitated by the helicopter if I'm not mistaken. Am I wrong about that? I don't know if he was decapitated. Well, let, no. let me oh,
2: make this sure he t- died of those injuries Chad yeah, okay. so we could have <laughs> skipped the go- Let me make this Let me make this 10 times worse to make Chad's comment seem a little bit more kind. Do you think those kids had visions of death by helicopter?
0: Oh, that's oh, tough. Oh, Lord! Yeah, you James. got me a beat on that wow. one, James.
2: That's dark. See, I was trying to make Chad look better. It's hard, Chad. I had to go dark.
0: Uh, and what we've done is forget Chad and now hate you. Yeah. <laughs> so see, hey. see, that's what I'm here for. And what happens at the end of Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry?
2: They get away until. There's a train. They <laughs> yeah, get by an effing train. Because <laughs> they get away and they, they exchange looks, if I remember correctly. This the and way then, I remember it in my head. And then it's like, oh, we got away. And then they, they're going, and then bam, the train just hits them and credit rolls. The reason that
0: that is significant is in all these movies, these people died at the end. They always got killed. And honestly, by the time people forget, by the time Smokey and the Bandit came out in 77, Most of these movies were played out. Mm -hmm. It was Smokey and the Bandit that came back and was a big success and brought it back. And nobody died at the end. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I'm done now. The next one, have you guys ever seen Race with the Devil? That's another Peter Farmer movie I read. Yes. Yes. Uh,
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say uh, RV habit. Warren Oates.
0: Warren Oates. From Hall Amphine. No. Oh. Warren Oates from I Can F an Act and I've kicked where his ass with <laughs> stripes. Oh, oh, here she comes. She's He's Warren her. Oates. Warren Oates of uh, James. Whose head is he going to bring?
2: Alfredo Garcia. Sam Peck and Paul fame. Uh, never seen, by the way. By good. the way, if you're watching Bonehead and you've never seen Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, it's
1: Alfredo Garcia, inventor of the famous pasta.
0: Garcia.
2: Alfredo is a type of sauce. Alfredo a type of sauce, not a type of pasta.
1: Yeah, see, but Ha-ha. you put it on pasta. So both of you bite me. I'm half no, correct. No, no, no,
2: no. You could put it on anything you want. This is America. Like what do put you it put on, on, Hold on?
1: Time out. Where does James put Alfredo sauce if not on pasta? My nipples. Pizza. Have you never had
2: white sauce pizza with Alfredo sauce? No, I had, I had James's special white sauce. They—they haven't even CC's makes it that way, or sometimes. Oh, oh CC.
1: I'm Cici sorry. I uh, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, C. I don't allow myself the luxury. That is CC's pizza.
2: You're lying. So I've no, never I'm had
1: CC's pizza.
2: Well, if you come down and visit me, there's one right across the road. I tell you what, I'll make this promise on air. By the way, CC's, if you want to sponsor us. But if next time you are down here, I will take you across the street to CC's. It's a buffet.
0: All right. So Race with the Devil was him and Warren Oates and their (laughs) wives. And they're on a trip, on vacation, in an RV. And they witness a satanic ritual where somebody's murdered. And they are chased by Satanists for the rest of the movie. There's only one unfortunate thing about this film. It was released seven days after another movie in 1975. (laughs) that's right it was
1: released after flipper <laughs> flipper was <a laughs> show. well they made a movie with it paul Yet hogan in the 90s it could have been
0: 75 good lord you never see, actually I seen actually it's not a bad movie
1: swine. okay
0: it's actually a fairly – Warren Oates never delivered a bad performance, but it's a fairly decent performance. I know he, performance. Always, he
1: always sung Hall Under the <laughs> Table.
0: Shut up. <laughs> you should watch Race with the Devil, okay? Yeah, I recommend it. It's better than Devil Rain. <laughs> Hold on. Is James oh, – okay, you know. you
2: know, No, I agree, but Devil Rain has one thing going for it that that movie didn't have. That Travolta, Shatner, what? No. Alistair Crowley. Yeah, that's – actually. True. Set design. So you actually had the I don't know whatever his title was Satan's good buddy <laughs> doing set design. <laughs> Satan's little buddy was doing set design
0: you know, of like a like, like my pet monster. Satan's good buddy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Satan's good buddy, alistair was doing set design for Devil's Rain, Which, by the way, if you watch Devil's Rain, I know we're getting off topic a little bit, but if you watch Devil's Rain and look at the color scheme. I never realized how laughable the Church of Satan was in the 1970s. Oh, it's pretty laughable. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: And that's another cultural thing. But hey, that, they got Sammy Davis Jr. on board. So we're talking about our 42nd cultural thing that he was involved with. Wait, hold on.
1: Did you not know Sammy Davis Jr. joined the ter- Church of Satan in the 70s? It's called the Jewish Church. He's Jewish. No, he li- I know. Oh, I'm my God. He
2: changed often. affiliations pretty often. Go ahead.
0: But anyway, back to what I was saying, that's another thing people forget in the 70s. What was another genre, a subgenre of film? Satanism, Satan? worshiping, right? And well, as, as, actually, they were all out to get us. Yes. Satanists everywhere. Hiding. Satanic
1: panic.
2: Uh, Satanic panic. Um, which is my film, son right? ain't
1: gonna play Dungeon and Dragon, he's going straight to hell. Right, James, did you go through uh, that? Did you go through that? Uh,
2: I do remember, I kid you not, I do remember my mother warning us about the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. I'm not making that up. By the way, I I don't know if you were going to mention it, but um, Peter Fonda also had a role in a pretty notable sequel. Yeah, Future that World. has since Future World. And, and that's actually where he developed the, keep in mind, he made Easy Rider and Joe gave you that 155 statistic. It wasn't until Future World um, which was high profile. It was, I mean, it was, it was a, big a big deal. I,
0: was, I don't think it was a successful film. It was a yeah, big oh, film. But then, it was a sequel to a huge film called Westworld.
1: And Future World was also the inspiration for the famous theme park in, in Magic Kingdom.
2: Keep going, James. Shut up, Chad. <laughs> um, but the New York Times, that was the first time it was publicly reported in the New York Times that he was, developing a, quote, a reputation for being difficult and drug-addled while on set. Oh, really? And so that, yeah, that was, it made the New York Times that he was getting difficult to work with in Future World. So if you think about these timelines, keep in mind, Future World, there was this public mentality that he was was getting difficult to work with.
0: So I want to jump ahead a little bit now, and I hope you guys don't mind, because 1969, James already said it was... Easy Rider was the third biggest movie of 1969. Do you know what the other two were? It doesn't matter if you don't. I'm just curious. No. Okay. I don't either. (laughs) I'm going to look it up. But by 1981, we're talking 12 years. 12 years from 69 to 81, he's in Cannonball Run as the lead biker in a bit role, making basically fun of himself and his image. Right. 12 years his career did
1: that but and it was because
0: of the drug use I would I don't know if it's all the way the drug use he doesn't I don't remember him talking a ton about the drug use keeping him from roles in his book James have you read it do you know it's been 10 years or more since I've read it and then I'll let yeah, it,
2: I like oh, I need to read it. Right
0: there is a by the way in the 90s he did a two-parter in the heat of the night and I actually remember it. I had to watch it with dad where he played a cult leader <laughs> so if you get a chance to watch that that's all right
2: but
0: what was he? he, he Sorry. What is his next big role, gentlemen? It's a long time, but it's an actual one where people paid attention to him.
2: You talking about you? Well, I was. Role. I was about to say he did a couple of different things. One of the ones that I want to. Um, I, okay, so he did um, <coughs> early nineteen nineties because of Bridget Fonda. And she was cast with Phoebe Cates and Tim Roth and Eric Stoltz in the independent film, yeah. Bodies Rest in Motion. And he scored a bit part in that as a motorcycle rider. I sure.
0: asking if he could use the phone. Um, he's he because was, working, by the way. I don't want yeah. to interrupt. No, no, no. There's a ton of stuff. I'm just talking about the man was in the third biggest picture of 1969. And 12 years later, he's in a bit part in Cannonball Run. Keep going.
2: But he he did a couple other films, and actually, the the, the the independent film market, which was big in the '90s, did him a lot of good. He he played a uh, Van Helsing type role in Is it pronounced Naja?
0: Naja, I, I uh, It's it's. Have you ever seen it, guys? No, I loved it, and so much that I, I, I haven't. I need it. It's fun. By the way, uh, he's a, he's one of the best parts of it. Sorry, go ahead. Well, they're the daughter. They're the family of Dracula. Who finally, died, and he's basically a batshit nuts. It sounds funny, It is funny, but it's in a handled in a serious way. He's he's still trying to kill the rest of Dracula's family.
1: So, to answer Joe's question, the top-grossing films of 1969: Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Never heard of it. Uh, uh, Midnight Cowboy. Loser. Easy Rider. And then number 4 was Hello Dolly, number 5, five was Bob and Carol and Ted, Ted and Alice. Alice. I've
0: seen all of them. You want to guess what number
1: 6 was? What? Highest grossing film, the sixth highest grossing film of 1969. What? Paint
0: Your Wagon. <laughs> well, it's not you know, and it's remembered as being such a dud.
1: Yeah. Sixth highest grossing film of 1969, the western musical from Clint Eastwood that no one remembers. That no one remembers Paint Your Wagon. The Simpsons did a spoof on it. And no
2: one got the joke. <laughs> so, anyway, no, I, I've seen that movie several times because of my dad. Um, but so, Nacho and he did. And uh, let me see, there are a couple other ones Love and a 45. Yeah. And Deadfall are probably some independent films people would know him for if you're a big independent film fan. But K- was toward, you know, uh, I, I don't know if this is what you're getting towards. I don't know if this is what you're getting at, but before you leave Gold, he was in this $50 million film that some some John Carpenter fellow yeah. tried to make that was a tool to uh, another film he did. Yep. You want to talk about that, Joe? He's in Escape from L.A.'s
0: yeah. Popline, basically playing himself again. Yes. Uh, I didn't even know the character's name was Pipeline until John Carpenter tweeted the other day he was popline <laughs> <laughs> And then I looked at
1: IMDb today. I was like, I'll be damned. <laughs> it was actually Popline. So, what, you didn't try, trust the man who wrote and directed the movie that he knew the name of the character? Well, he just is never. I don't remember. I'm going to fact saying, check that shit. I didn't bother. I didn't bother. <laughs> I didn't
0: bother. <laughs> Why would I? <laughs> I, however, will defend Escape from L.A. Why would you defend? Okay. The first and third act. That middle is a horse shit. But the fi- it's got a great ending. The, the ending's great. It has, The problem is the movie, and it has a great opening. Where they're bringing him in. If you're a fan of the original, it has a great opening, it has a great ending. The problem is, is there's a second act. Yeah, and I'm not sure what that is. You no, know, the
1: ending's really great. The middle's middle's awful. And then Except for and Bruce then Campbell's just, little cameo. And then I think the first part is a rehash of the set, first one. I know it's the reason I like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I like when they bring him off, and they're and they've got the. They've got the electric chairs. If you don't want to go to LA, yeah, you can just sit in an electric, electric chair. And I did like up. that part. Yeah, I like some of that. It's not a good movie. No. It's not his best film. And oh my God! So you guys know that that cost. James is right. It's fifty million dollars. Five million of that million. went to Carpenter. Five million of that went to Deborah Hill. Ten million of that went to Kurt Russell. It's only that like twenty some million that was actually spent on that movie. Wow. How much went to Peter Fonda? Probably not as much as <laughs> as the other three made out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's not a good, probably good movie, although I do enjoy it from time to time. Oh, God, it does
1: not age well. Have you seen so, the effects? Yes, it does not age. That, that surfing scene with Peter Fonda and Kurt Russell is damn near terrible. It is. It's bad. But
0: Yuli's Gold, you guys want to talk about it? I, I I I loved it. I didn't know I'd love it, and I saw it in the late 90s, so I'd have probably been 18, 19 years old. But You're it just, 40.
1: I'm 40 now.
2: There you are. Do you? Know who was suppo- I, Tell me about uh, Peter Fonda getting that role. Do you know who was originally supposed to play that role? No. Nick Nolte. Yeah. Was he who it, they originally wanted for the role, and he turned it down? He said it was too close to the Prince of Tides role we played? Yep. Um, and, and so just to show you what was going on at the time, uh, and Joe, if you had this, you were going to talk about it, I don't, I don't mean to say so 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 okay. but – um, what's funny about it is this was the film that again got him compared to Clint Eastwood. A variety, in their obituary for him, actually republished their review of Yuli's Gold, and this is what they said when Yuli's Gold came out. Since Peter Fonda had never been asked to give, and certainly had never delivered an ambitious three-dimensional performance before, it must have taken courage on Nunes, the director's part to entrust him with the role, but Fonda has responded splendidly with work that is reserved yet revealing, withholding, but ultimately quite moving. With his cold eyes, erect stature, taciturn measure, and deliberate vocal cadences, it is impossible not to compare the actor here to his late father. There are also intonations in Fonda's turn that remind strongly of Clint Eastwood, but none of this takes away from the singular achievement Peter Fonda has achieved has managed after more than 35 years on the screen. It was Variety's first purely positive review of Peter Fox.
0: That's so derogatory. Yeah. But I was sitting here thinking, God, he's not as good an actor as his dad. No. <laughs> I was sitting here thinking it the whole time. However, Yuli's Gold is in reference to what does Yuli make? Do you remember? It's Honey. Honey. His family's falling apart. His son is mixed up with some characters that are bad news. He's been in and out of jail. And he's just—it's a story about a Florida beekeepers in Florida. Because Victor Nuñez is a Florida filmmaker. Most of his movies take place in Florida, and he's a small independent filmmaker. And he's just trying Can to. He directed his... Police Academy Five, Miami Beach. No, he missed that one. Damn. He missed that one. He was just—he was—he was too busy worrying about the bee movie, uh... not the Jerry Seinfeld one, but the Ulysses Gold one. And that's what the movie's about. (laughs) The
1: movie does not take place in Florida.
0: Yuli has a bad back. Yuli's trying to come to grips and realize who his son is, who his family is, and trying to make a connection. And it's a family drama. And I know I'm not selling it very well because, oh, my God, what action happens? It's not, but it's It's a terribly engaging film. And whatever happened with Stars Aligned, Peter Fonda was perfect for that role. Mm -hmm. And he was nominated for Best Actor that he lost. Yeah,
1: well, that, I feel like James is making a sandwich. Are, do you have a sandwich? Can I have some? Is that how that 3D uh, printer works? Did you look at the eyes? Can <laughs>
0: <laughs> you 3D print me a
2: sandwich? Oh, my God. Could that be the title of this episode? We want 3D printed sandwiches.
0: 3D printed sandwiches. <laughs> um, I don't uh, have much to say about you as gold other than I recommend well, you to watch it. It's yeah, also you got need, Patricia Richardson in it from you should, Home Improvement. Home Alone. Yeah, yeah, Home
2: Improvement. You should see Ulysses Go. But it also, it did have that effect of catapulting back into the public attention. This is when his autobiography first came out, right after the success of this. Um, and the other thing that it let him do, which I need to go back and find this, is it let him top line an NBC. Uh, adaptation of The Tempest. Did you have any notes on this, Joe?
0: I don't have any notes on it. I saw it. I only, uh, there was only a couple other things I want to talk about because I never saw it.
2: I've never seen I want to go back and see it because The Tempest is... But NBC, for some reason, decided that they wanted to adapt The Tempest, but not only adapt it, they were going to set it during the Civil War, and they chose Peter Fonda to be the headliner. Yeah. And just on that, if anybody's seen that, feel, feel free to comment below or, or, or tag us on Twitter. I, I, if it's available on DVD, I should have searched to see what it was, but I've got to see this now uh, because I, I just think, okay, Shakespeare's the Tempest. I'm familiar. Okay, Civil War. Okay, I can see that. If, if you're casting somebody that's Civil War time, who would, Peter Fonda should top line that. I, I got to see this because you got to think the North and the South, it came out, all this other stuff, but no, no. Peter Fonda will lead this movie. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna to have to see it. So it it had a big impact, revitalizing a lot of attention, and and he gets top line some stuff again.
0: He was in a few big movies before he died. He was in three, uh, one of them would be Ghost Rider, yeah. Which he is he is miscast in that movie. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I want to talk. Actually, I did have some. I, I had some comments on that. And, uh, really and some quick, quotes. Let me just
0: say three ten to Yuma, which I actually enjoyed I enjoy it. It And read three ten to humans is a really good remake. By the way, the original of that is a good movie, and the remake, remake. of that is a good movie.
1: With Russell Crowe and Guy
0: Pearce, right? Guy, uh, Russell Crowe and – it's not Guy Pearce. It's Russell Crowe and uh, – damn it, Chad.
2: Guy Fieri.
1: No.
0: the Guy Fieri. Fieri. Batman? Christian Bale? Christian
1: Bale. Christian Bale. Well, I thought Guy Pearce was in it. I no, apologize. No, Christian
0: Bale. No. So I do recommend 310 to Yuma. Uh, not so much Ghost Rider. Go ahead, Chad. I, uh, James.
2: Well, I want to talk about Ghost Rider because um, Ghost Rider you, you say it was miscast and, and again I do. Got I put, Well I'm I, I, not saying Well no I want to talk about that though because I, I went back and I wondered other than obviously the motorcycle. As a matter of fact, there's an interview with him where they saw him out. They wanted him to be in Ghost Rider, and he even said something like, Well, it's the motorcycle. He goes, I'm not on the motorcycle but they were making a motorcycle film and they thought of me. But uh, this was an interview he, he did at the time the movie came out with Showtime.com. Um, and he said a couple things of interest. Um, they asked him, you know, about, uh, and this goes back to your earlier quote, Chad, about acting. They asked him about uh, acting as the devil and how much of it was him versus how much was in the script and things like that. And, he His response, I, it just struck me, uh, was this. What most actors do uh, and what they should be doing is work. We work. We are working to find character, not memorize lines. Find character. If we find that character, the lines just flow. To quote Gary Cooper, if I know what I am doing, I do not have to act. and i thought that was interesting because again it goes back to his view of acting that chad alluded to with the other quote but the other thing that they asked him which i was like oh it's really interesting because you had to think he he was kind of the counterculture movement and things like that and the interviewer stopped and just asked him it's like well are you familiar with marvel comics and things like that and without missing a beat he responded absolutely he goes matter of fact the one role that i wish i was young enough to get uh, or that i would have got was the silver surfer and they go off and he goes off on a little bit of a tirade which i thought was fascinating because if you're familiar with marvel comics in the 60s the silver surfer matter of fact stan lee let them cancel the silver surfer the old series because they wanted to change it and the silver surfer was always kind of a religious allegory in some ways and they asked in this interview why he wanted to play the silver surfer. And he literally, he had a fanboy moment. I thought it was so cool in this interview. He goes, because the silver surfer is the only hero that cries and cries constantly. And when he cries, it's silver tears. And he said the visualization of that and what makes an all-powerful cosmic being cry. And it's always humanity. Hmm. And so I, I was listening to this interview and I was like, oh, it's it's really interesting because he talked about playing the devil uh, and they wanted him for that. and He said it was a lot of fun and he, he enjoyed doing it because he, uh, they asked him what he brought to it. And he said, well, this role has been played forever. And he said, I had to try to, he goes, I have to meet the expectation of the audience for what they think the devil is, And then I have to try to add something. to it. And I thought that was interesting, but I thought his commentary about the fact that he loved the 1960 version of the civil service. Uh, so I, I, the, the Ghost Rider, if nothing else, gave us that interview. I, I do like the Ghost Rider film; it's a stupid, fun popcorn movie. Uh, I, that character deserved a better movie, but I don't blame the people involved, except for the director, which I blame on principle. Has nothing to do with how the movie came out. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, the Ghost Rider is uh, is is matter of fact in his obituaries. Oddly enough, it was Easy Rider most often. I looked at a bunch of them. It was Easy Rider, and more frequent or more recently, Ghost Rider was the terminology used so often. I'm like, man, you skipped a bunch of movies. So yeah, so we need
1: to. I guess we're gonna finish. We with, need to finish with, with, the with Steven
0: Soderbergh. Film. Yes,
1: Steven Soderbergh. Well, no, it wasn't his first movie, right? It was no, two, no, you know? that's Sex Lies and videotapes. videotapes. Yeah.
2: So Steven Soderbergh made a film called The Limey, which is, you know.
1: Limey. Which was not, which which kind of came and went, but now it has gone. Gar- it's becoming a more, it's becoming a more underappreciated classic.
2: Critics loved it. Yeah, I, matter of fact, um, the the average rating on it, if you go by Metacritic, where they go, by, if you go back and where they catalog it, is a ninety three percent. And it's I agree. It's
1: it's an amazing
2: the, film. The, the what's funny about it, oddly enough, one of the biggest critics of it, which I thought was hilarious, was Roger Ebert, who said that it read like a and I forget the name of the author, but there was an author who said all of his murder mysteries on the sunny coast of California, and and he gave it three out of four stars and said hey, it reads like one of his novels. And I was like, well, okay, good, but it's still a good movie. What's interesting to me is that Terrence Stamp plays the Limey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the protagonist and Peter Fonda plays the guy that he suspects was involved, who is a, is a record magnet that, you know, uh, right. Um, who he suspects had something to do with his daughter dying. His daughter allegedly died in a car accident. He doesn't buy it. He just uh, got out of jail and he's going to come back and find out how his daughter died. And that's loosely the plot. What's interesting is the film's edited in a unique way. So there's parts of the dialogue that plays over other parts, and sometimes it's not even in sequence. It's really interesting. I love to quote I movie. Mean, there's tons of quotes in it that I like to use. That being said, I, something that I learned researching this was Peter Fonda was pretty much always locked in that role. It's actually the Terrence Stamp part that almost went to somebody else. It almost went to Michael Caine. Yeah. No, they originally forgot about getting... Michael Caine, which is funny because if you've ever seen the Michael Caine film Harry Brown, yeah. I love it as well, uh, it's very it's 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 not exactly like the Lamy, but it's about an older guy who, you know, decides he's going to clean up the system and things like that. And it has some of the same feel as the Lamy, but not
1: quite. that's right? I mean, probably that's probably ter- that's probably my favorite Terrence Stamp performance is the Limey. What? What about Zod kneeling before uh, him? Uh,
2: what about – hold on. What about Chancellor of the
0: <laughs> I, I, I like the limey. Ah, in, I, I, in, let's not talk about the limey, but real quick, why I like Peter Fonda's performance in that is he's not a straight-up yeah, villain. Yeah, no, he's not.
2: No.
1: He's, sh- he's and, and basically kind of like – he's just a schlub.
0: He's a schlub, but he's also trying to live his life. Go, Keep going, Jay.
2: Well, and I think that's it. I think what makes it interesting is in some ways, um, Terrence Stamp, and and not to give the movie away, the pivot point of the movie, the end of the film, but in some ways when Terrence Stamp makes the discovery of what happened, he realizes that he's also to blame. Yeah. Like there's a feeling of, you know, what has happened, what has came into play because of this and what does that look like as you look at uh, Terrence Sam's character is named Wilson, when Wilson realizes, you know, what his daughter was yeah. doing and how that interacted with Peter Fonda's character, which is Valentine's.
1: Life. And the other thing, too, to mention about the oh. lobby is there is a lot in that movie, and it's only about 80 minutes long. It's fairly short. It is, pre- it is a very short film, but they – I mean, it's just one thing after another. And also, too, I know we're talking about Peter Fonda, but I have to mention one thing. Uh, When we did our character actors episodes, and as soon as we were done, I immediately regretted something. So I'm going to mention it here. Uh, Terry Stamps' a sidekick in that movie is Luis Guzman, who is He's one of one my of favorite, favorite character characters. actors of all time, and I still beat myself up that I did not mention him in that episode. We could also,
2: also, he did so many great things. Kind of
1: I don't think they're demanding it, but Luis Guz- Guzman
2: is amazing. One, one thing I do want to point out, and this is directly related to Peter Fonda, Peter Fonda, they wanted to show what type of character his character was what what his character was made of of and they shot scenes with him with Anne margaret uh who was going to be his ex-wife so they shot all these scenes and it was supposed to establish them but as uh soderbergh and others went back and watched the rough cuts they were like these scenes are superfluous yeah peter fonda's characterization already tells us what type of character he is and while these scenes are compelling and and obviously you've got Anne margaret we don't need that. and so they ended up being cut. Yeah, because of the strength of his performance. <laughs>
0: well, guys, we probably need to wrap it up.
2: Look, I uh, would like to wrap
0: on a quote. Okay, James, you got anything to add? You good?
2: The the uh, the uh baby uh, baby no I'm good <laughs> I lost it sorry go ahead
1: okay go ahead wrap on okay. cut. So a quote so this is this is again from the 2008 San Luis Obispo Tribune article um he was asked a question about how long he'd want to keep working. Uh, and when he makes a film, he, this is a quote. I just want to keep working. Fortunately for me, I continue to get work. Did you see the movie waking Ned divine? Look at that old geezer naked on a motorcycle. Shoot. I can do that until I'm in the in my eighties, at least. What if I can't walk? Well, Lion, Lionel Barrymore did it all in a wheelchair. I would like to hear it go down this way. Cut, print, okay, that's a wrap on the film. What happened to Fonda? <laughs> oh, he's turning gray. The curtain drops, I drop. The curtain rises again, I don't get up. Whatever it is, I'd like to complete it and then act. I don't want to slip over the side without having done that.
0: Yeah. He actually talked about that in an interview I watched once that he didn't want to retire. He said people retire are just stupid. Mm-hmm. That he just wanted to keep working. Right. He, he loved what he did. Yep. So, and he had, whether you, we may not all agree about the, the quality of the acting, I think we can all agree of the importance to American culture. Yeah. And then the man played a huge impact on all of us, or mm-hmm. had a huge impact on all of us, and was vital to where America is, or what America became, specifically at such a turning point in the late 60s. Yes. Yes. And, and I think also an outlet for young people at that time who saw themselves nowhere else other than Peter Fonda movies.
2: Well, and I think one of the, there's a couple other quotes that I like about him and that's, that's what let my mind earlier. So as we close out on some quotes, um, the, uh, there's a couple of things as much as he didn't want to retire and say, so he didn't want to retire. Uh, when Jane Fonda said she was retiring from acting, um, his, his comment was just two lines. He said, I think that's great. Now she can just be Jane. Uh, <laughs> I the other thing, though, that I, I think the other reason he became a figure to so many people, especially after his autobiography came out, which was pretty successful for an autobiography, even outside of just being an actor, is because it did open up about the difficulties between fathers and sons. And one of his quotes that kind of struck me, there's two. One is uh, this quote, I dig my father. I just wish he could open his eyes and dig me. Yeah. Uh, And then the other one, um, he never likes being called Mr. Fonda. And there's interviews actually where people, I think actually the Showtime.com interview, they say Mr. Fonda and he says, Peter, just Peter. And um, I think it's in his autobiography. He goes into details uh, why he feels that way. And his exact quote is, whenever I hear Mr. Fonda, I have to look out over at the door to make sure he's not back. Yeah. And, and, and so that, I, I, yeah. I, I think that's, uh, you get into the character and you get into you know, this was the first counterculture figure in some ways that was in movies but also he was dealing with everything that happened in his life and all of that stuff and so he became a symbol on multiple levels. And with that the
0: episode's over please share us uh we're doing really well on our audio but we'd like to do a little bit better and i don't know what's going on with the youtube we got a little bit of an uptick last time but please share us and subscribe and let your friends know and don't forget we will be at fall fan fall fall fan fest at <laughs> september the 7th at our table we've even got our new tablecloth we're all excited about it uh, Stop by. We may and, have some stickers. We may have some other things. We were trying to work on that right now.
2: And and, and all fair fest. And in all fairness, in all fairness, if you happen to be a fan company and you're having a fall fan fest or a fan fall fest, we will also appear at that if you want to invite us and pay our way. We are yes not man, proud. Of you.
0: Becomes a corporate sponsor.
2: All right. Thank you all so much. Probably enough. Oddly enough, at, at the thing I had to attend earlier today, which won't go into details on, huh? that's who they supplied the fans for our outdoor event. I looked over, I'm like, oh, it's home. Let me say, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Bye, Boo. bye. Are you gonna push stuff,
0: stop? Goodbye. You?
2: Than James. If you stop recording, I'll tell you that thing that I was gonna stop tell recording
0: you. Recording, so the people, I won't have to edit this later. Farewell. So long. Toodaloo.
1: Goodbye.